think we could all agree that this defensive secondary has some pretty good pieces, but how they'll come together and in what order, man, that might have a big, big impact on this season. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers, and it comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also happen to offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates. Same place. Hope you'll check those out. We are now two days away from the Steelers reporting to the St. Vincent College campus in Latrobe. We are three days away from them taking the field and getting serious, getting real. And the first time they do that with any semblance of alignments, and there are fans watching, which means that we as reporters are free to report on pretty much everything that happens for all 16 such days. And by the way, that's just awesome. Among the most compelling slices of information that'll emerge like that will be the alignment of the secondary. Because you'll know right then and there, for example, the extent to which they'll challenge Joey Porter Jr. immediately. The extent to which Corey Trice Jr. will even get a chance as a seventh rounder, to make a similar impact. The extent to which Patrick Peterson is utilized on the outside as opposed to the slot. And from there, what role he might play. And Levi Wallace is in that mix too, obviously. And we have no idea right now. We have no idea. You're going to have to trust me that OTAs and minicamp really didn't reveal much in that regard. But camp, the real camp, oh yeah, you'll know. You'll see it right away. And the way I'm entering this, the way I'm thinking about this is, well, Mike Tomlin isn't particularly great at this one specific coaching trait. And I've never been all that clear as to whether... It's a strength of his or a shortcoming. But all this man has ever wanted to do is to win the next game he plays. And he will do that. He will prioritize that almost always, not always, but almost always ahead of any sort of developmental emphasis. And to put that into this context, if you think about the pluses of starting the season with, let's just go with Porter because, you know, 32nd overall pick versus Trice. And Porter wins, ideally, a starting job as opposed to having it handed to him. And you can go with Porter and Wallace as your outside guys, and you do move Pat Pete to the slot. It might not work well. In game one against the 49ers. It might not work well in game two against the Browns. It might not be all that awesome all the way through the bye week, for all anyone knows. But is it going to make the Steelers the best possible football team over the course of all 17 games and playoffs? Maybe. Maybe. What if you went with two rookies? What if you really went wild, right? 
and just said, we don't care. We just think these are the best talents. And that we think by week 17, or even just down the stretch into December, you know, the time when you unleash hell, that we're going to have the best possible secondary in the 2023 season by just going with these kids, letting them ride out the rough patches, helping them out, including safety help and whatever else, as much as we can. But this is the way we're going to go. We're going to throw them into it because we believe in them and we believe they'll be our best options when it matters the most. Tomlin doesn't do that. And you can throw up examples back in my face like, well, he started right off the bat with Ryan Shazier and Marquise Pouncey. And yeah, that's different. That's different. And he did it with Najee Harris, too. He just commits instantly and just says that person is this. And that's how they will be treated. But more often, it's kind of what he did with Kenny Pickett, which is I can't not at the beginning. I just can't. With this offensive line, with this schedule, we can't afford to get behind these opponents. And he thought about it that way. And then the Steelers were 2-6, and six, and he really wasn't left with a choice but to start putting players in who he felt strongly were going to be better over time but weren't going to progress unless they were put onto the field at some point, and that very clearly included Kenny. So he did that. He even made passing somewhat under-the-table references that sounded a lot like rebuilding. This is the position that we're in, obviously. Well, I can't tell you right now, a couple of days before reporting day, that I'd be all that comfortable watching the secondary get scorched snap after snap after snap against the Niners, against the Browns. I can't tell you with confidence that I'd be feeling that was the right move. But right now, right now, in a vacuum, without having had a camp, uh, without having had preseason games that maybe will either bolster the cases for these young cornerbacks or just shoot them right down. But I do know that it would be a welcome development, a really, really welcome development if one or both were to rise up. When we come back, J1Q. Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. LGKG is a personal injury law firm in Western Pennsylvania that represents people hurt in car accidents or who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice. When the attorneys at LGKG make you a promise, they keep it. They've been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG's been AV rated, the highest rating a law firm can receive, and they've been designated super lawyers. That's actually a thing for over 15 years. It's a rare combination. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them by visiting lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. LGKG. Today's J1Q comes from Ryan, and it's in reference to last Friday's Daily Shot of Steelers in which I used Tomlin's terminology 
of reasonable expectations. The speech that went viral as a video online that he gave to players leaving minicamp of what he expects from them and how and why he considers those to be reasonable expectations as opposed to something that's over the top or asking you to do something that you can't. Except that what I was using the term for was my own reasonable expectation for the Steelers in 2023. And that was that they would win one playoff game for the first time since 2017. And Ryan counters that with, okay, but what if that playoff game is in Kansas City? Just for example, do you reasonably expect Kenny Pickett to go in there and beat Patrick Mahomes? Um, yes, but I'm going to get to that last. Okay. The first thing that I've got to say here is that the reasonable expectation that I have of the Steelers winning a playoff game is that A, they're going to put themselves in good enough regular season position that they don't have to go to Kansas City, that maybe they'll face a team that's more right at their level and that maybe they'll produce a quarterback matchup that'll be right at their level. That would be a pretty good regular season, I'm sure you'd agree. I don't believe that the Steelers have to win the AFC North to get a seeding like that. I think they can get a good seeding by being the second-place team in the division. So there was more to my statement there, my stance, than just saying, beat absolutely anybody at all that you face. In your first playoff game, have a good overall season, get yourself a good seed, win a playoff game. Not that they should think like this, okay? I'm talking about external, reasonable expectation. Actually, I'm just talking about mine. So I'm not even really talking about anything of any significance to anybody else. Now, to your point about Pickett versus Mahomes, the reason that Pickett should be able to beat Mahomes. Isn't that Kenny's the superior quarterback, but he should be leading the offense of the superior team in whatever matchup this happens to be. And that would include Kansas City. You have to make progress as a franchise. We can get into whether it's wins and losses or whether it's offensive, defensive rankings, what have you. But you have to make progress. That 2022 team, despite having a woefully deficient offense, woefully deficient scoring offense, went 9-8 and eight with a 7-2 and two finish. That's something. That's not to be discarded. That's not to be taken lightly. And that's not to be ignored when it comes to momentum. NFL history has shown that teams do carry over late-season momentum from the previous year into the next season. And why shouldn't they? They got better. This team got better before our eyes. Why should we, with reasonable expectations, look at the 2023 team and say, eh, maybe you don't have to be as good as 9 and 8. You can take a step back. Why? Why? And if they are better than 9 and 8, then what are they? Then they're 10 and 7. Or they're, wow, 11 and 6. 
That's two games better. That's just it. That's just it. Two games. One, two. Do you think you're heading to Kansas City in your first playoff game as an 11-6 and six team? I don't think so. I don't think so. Don't be afraid to set a high bar for this team. Uh, I, I, I'm feeling here, Ryan, that when you invoke going to Kansas City, it feels like the Steelers' last playoff game. You know, where they had just barely qualified through all kinds of other flukes and whatever else, and they ended up going there just served up for a massacre. And that's what it was, 42 to 19. And it wasn't even that close. Don't do that. Don't do that. This team should be better. And I'm underlining, bold-facing, italicizing, and shooting fireworks out of the word should, meaning that's a reasonable expectation for someone to have. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 